Garçon, coffee. Welcome to the Coffee and Death Six podcast. My name is Kevin Romani. And I am Danny Marchant. Today we're going to continue our conversation of recapping 2022, some movies that we wanted to talk about that we've both seen. I'm going to talk a little bit about one that only I've seen today as well, because it's going to kind of tie into the theme of today. So... Danny and I were not the only ones, but we noticed that there were a lot of similarities between two fairly big movies that came out this year, The Menu and Glass Onion, or Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, which I know Danny takes umbrage with, so we'll talk about that as well. Um, so Glass Onion was released on Netflix. I, I believe it had a theatrical run as well as they typically do, but I certainly watched it at home on Netflix. And the menu, I think, did okay theatrically before a lot of eyes saw it when it moved to HBO Max, too, because it was there like pretty quickly after it came out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up the one I think we should talk about first. Let's talk about Glass Onion. What did you think about Glass Onion, Danny? Well... It was fine. It was totally fine. Um, the first one is is way better. Um, I like the first one a lot. That's one of my favorite movies from that year. Um, my big thing with the glass onion... Sorry, not the glass onion. I'm going to call it the glass onion. My big thing with the glass onion <laughs> is... It was like one of the most online films I've ever seen in my entire life. And it was, it annoyed me. And whereas Knives Out had a couple of moments here and there where it was like, uh, yeah, the, the internet. Um, but mostly I liked it because it was cozier and, and sort of, you didn't, I, I liked, that's kind of what I liked about Knives Out. Glass Onion was just, yeah, no. I get that, that I get that Twitter joke. I, I get, I get that reference to, to Facebook. Um, can you please just do a murder mystery? <laughs> and so yeah. it was, it was, you know, it was fun. There were some good, there were some good moments, but nowhere near as good as, as knives out. Um, and that was the consensus of everyone else who I watched it with my wife, my sister-in-law that, you know, Fun, but just a little more, just disposable, and and too too online, too like com- incomprehensible. If you're like over thirty, you'll just be like, "What? Yeah, huh? what is this? Like us? Uh, like, like us? us I, guess. <laughs> but I mean, like he? I mean, just like it? Just sort of. You'll be wondering, like, isn't this supposed to be a murder mystery? I don't, I don't understand. Like, where is the mystery here? A lot of the things you just said is actually how I also feel about Knives yes, Out. Yes, I know. I I did not like that film that much. I, I'm, it, it was not a bad film at all. It was enjoyable at times, but I was very much looking forward to a modern whodunit 
the cast, the looked, you know, the cast is excellent. They were all great in knives out and the trailer was fun. I loved the look, look of the movie and I was really looking forward to it. And then I, all those same descriptions that you gave glass onion is how I felt about knives out. I didn't feel like it was a whodunit. It was pretty much, you knew what happened 25, 30 minutes in, uh, there was some dramatic irony going on and there were still little, little mysteries within the story that weren't solved. But in terms of like how Christopher Plummer died, there wasn't really much of a, much of a mystery there. So it was kind of like, oh, I was waiting for surprises or things to change. And then it just really didn't. I can see, I can know? see that. But with Knives Out, like you kind of cared. You like, like I, you wondered like what, so what's the next twist here? Like what, what exactly happened? Like who is ultimately behind this? Or you liked Hart, like is the twist that Harlan is more sinister than he seems? Or is, is, is Marta not as innocent and pure as she seems? Whereas with Glass Onion, I just didn't really care at all about mm-hmm. anyone involved, except for Benoit Blanc and his clothes. That's kind of the only thing that. Oh yeah, I was inve- I was just invested in him and his outfits, but as for, there, there was no yeah. one to really latch onto in the same way. He had he had similar very good chemistry with his his um his leading lady like he does in knives out, but him and Ana de Armas have uniquely good chemistry as evidenced by the fact that they like one of the best parts of no time to die is their like 15 minute sequence. Um, Mm -hmm. Like they just have unique, they just have a very like unique spark between them. I think Daniel Craig has good chemistry with pretty much any person he's on. He does, but it's just like something about him and Ana de Armas. Like they just have a very good, they just have a good, they just have a good crackle. And I really liked Marta. Like I just liked her whole, I, I liked her. Yeah. Character. Her, her character is probably the best part. And again, I do think knives out is a better mm. movie. I don't think knives out is a bad movie. I just think the hype for that to be, you know, it, it, not dissimilar from get out, mm. uh, except I appreciate get out much more than I do knives out, but a similar type of thing where I, there was all this, advanced praise and i had one thing in my mind of what the movie was going to be and then i thought it was kind of different it subverted my expectations that dastardly ryan johnson loves to but as we've talked about is ryan johnson is the director of the last jedi and his next two films were knives out and glass onion and i just feel like he he has not gotten over the the discourse of the last jedi and it's you know it's um it's entering into his films it's like it's clearly on top of mind for him yeah and yeah this one was more egregious and i and we'll get to that in a minute but with knives out i thought that was ever present at the, like having a kid be a little nazi I, some of the jokes were funny but it was like are we really doing this and i i just wanted to see a fun star studded. I thought it was going to remind me of like oceans 11, something See, where I could both turn my brain off, but also it's an intelligent screenplay. Yeah, I mean, and it was instead like had some political messages with it. And it's like, I, I don't want to see that in this type of movie. See, I thought all that stuff in knives out was there, but it was like, it was like very quick. 
like in hindsight, maybe if I, when I watch it again, I'll it'll it'll be bigger. But like the, the Nazi child, for example, like he barely speaks. He's just to me, he seemed like just a whole setup for that line that Benoit Blanc has, where he says the Nazi child masturbating in the bathroom. Like that's to me, like that's his whole his whole purpose. Um, the, the the kids in cages line, like yes, you could. I'm sure there are people in the audience who are like, yeah, there are kids in cages, but like those people are Tony Collette. Like that's all they know about that mm-hmm. situation. They literally have nothing else to say. They only know those words. Kids, there are kids in cages. And like that stuff did bother me in the sense that it dates the movie. Cause if you're watching it in like 20 years, you'll wonder like, what's that about? Um, or you'll know exactly what it's about. I have no idea, but it all seemed, it was all quicker. It was all, the sort of political class stuff felt like that's always kind of going to be true. They don't know what country she's from. Mm-hmm. They just know that she's like some type of Mexican, basically. Like they just all get that slightly wrong. She's not that Mexican mom. She's my Mexican and she's Colombian or something. Like that's all going to be true. Probably always, especially for the type of like rich liberals they are, which is like, they're clearly Boston liberals who love Hamilton and listen to NPR. Like I kind of liked all that. And then glass onion is just so it's so on the, like, it's just like so on the nose. Like I wonder who Edward Norton is supposed to be based on. I wonder who Dave Batista is supposed to be based on. Like, it's just so, it's annoying. Mm-hmm, it's, it's just, mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. annoying. And it, it did Ryan Johnson. Okay. Yeah. The people were really annoying about the last Jedi, but enough now. <laughs> like, yeah. You got to like, uh, you have to let, to quote Kylo Ren, you got to let the past seriously, die. Did I jump in? And you forget? need to log <laughs> the fuck off. Um, it was too, wrapped up in things that you only make sense if you're on Twitter all day long. And it was saved by this central performance and this wonderful character that Dale Craig and that Ryan Johnson has created, which is Benoit Blanc, who's this wonderful new entry in the movie detective pantheon. He's a great character. So I hope they make more, but this isn't, this isn't, uh, this wasn't a good follow-up. This wasn't like a, I, I was expecting something a bit more fun. And this is, this is not as fun as I was hoping. I'm going to bring up a writer near and dear to my heart, Damon Lindelof. Mm. And I'm thinking of him not only because he just got canned from the new star Wars movie. I forgot to tell you about that. I don't know if you happen to see that oh. in the news. Uh, he's one of the many people who's, been attached to star Wars movies and then they're no longer attached to star Wars movies. So, but they're similar in the sense they're about the same age. They're both genre writers. They're both liberal. They both like to insert politics into their stories, but Lindelof does it in, in such a classier way. I think, uh, like thinking to the Watchmen series, uh, just right. Just like just smoother, just, just smoother. Yeah, he has a better, but something that Damon Lindelof did, I think about 10 years ago now, is he deleted his Twitter. 
Ah. He had enough. He had had, and this was before politically what what the world has become. This was more in line of like he was sick of people telling him that he should kill himself because of the Lost series finale. Well, so he's like, yeah, I'm fucking done with interesting this cesspool. That's yeah, so he deleted. His- that is, see, I feel like that's that's it right there because Watchmen was a good show or a miniseries. It's not oh. a show; it's a miniseries. Um, I don't know what the plan is with with that with that program. I think it's well, done. I think that was literally it, which is fun. it was really good, uh, and it did a really good job of. Uh, of course, there are annoying annoying people online who are like, I can't believe they made Watchmen political. I know they made they made Watchmen. <laughs> yeah oh man they they ruined the original source material <laughs> the completely apolitical so alan moore uh creation yes but damon lindelof did a good job of um yeah he's just he's just uh yeah he like you said class here he's not he's not like wicked smart he's just he's just class here and i i think i i think kevin you 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 You've nailed it. It's because he doesn't have a fucking Twitter that he's on all day long. I'm going to write a, I should make a report about this. Do a, uh, it'll have graphs and charts of the quality of Damon Lindelof's work post Twitter. Because I like think of Star Trek into darkness. I believe that was when he still had. Ah! And we've talked about that movie before too, written by a nine 11 truther and, and it turned into this whole thing about an inside job, and it was just a fucking mess. And I think since then, he has pretty much been nothing but slam dunks. Because uh, that, that same year he w- wrote World War Z, which I've still not ever seen. I like that. Good I like movie. that film. I'm a, I'm a fan of that film. Okay. So there was that Into Darkness, and then I believe that's about when he deleted his Twitter. Maybe he did a little bit yeah. before that. But then we get we get the leftovers, we get Watchmen, and I haven't seen it, but it looks like a lot of fun. He wrote the script for The Hunt from a couple of years ago. Yes, which was But that also feels like a Ryan Johnson movie. Like if that said written and directed by Ryan Johnson, I'd say, yeah, that looks like something he's now interested in making. That one was kind of schlocky though. That one had a had sort of some and, Yeah. See, Ryan Johnson would never make something so uncouth. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, Ryan John, he's a good, he's, he's, he's a good filmmaker. Um, he's, he's a pretty, he's a pretty, he's a pretty good writer. He's a good filmmaker. Um, I just think that he is too of the internet. And I think it's something that we've started as, as becoming a theme of our podcast that the internet should not be part of art (laughs) yes um i should find the there was a tweet i well coincidentally now i'm bringing up twitter but there was a great tweet so like i just said the internet but still like exactly yeah 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 so damon lindelof again was hired to write a script uh with somebody else i don't remember what their name is but to write a script for a Star Wars movie post Rise of Skywalker. Mm. And I think this broke maybe back in like, I don't know, September, October, something like that. And then yesterday, two days ago, it was Damon Lindelof exits untitled Rise of Skywalker, not episode 10, but like another, I don't know, something. 
and someone wrote because just a bunch of man children bitched and moaned on Twitter in late 2017 it is impossible to make a Star Wars film now <laughs> and then someone else made a chart of all of the creatives who have been atta- uh, attached to and then left whatever Star Wars project. There were some some I didn't even remember. I forgot that James Mangold was at one point tied to a Boba Fett movie or show. That's right. And then Josh Trank before him. I remember that. I didn't remember that one. So it's been, it's just this like, you know, this in and out with all these creatives and Star Wars projects. And so it all, it all comes back to Star Wars. It all comes back to Ryan Johnson. Yeah. But yeah. I think so. I haven't even really talked about Glass Onion. Yeah, I so agree with what you're saying. It the the piece in particular that really irked me with this movie, and to a much lesser extent with the menu, which we'll get to that shortly, was how much COVID was incorporated. Now, it's tough because the movie kind of it's not just like one off jokes. The movie kind of revolves around that around the COVID and disrupting and that sort of thing. But talk about dating your movie. Now I know COVID is like something we're going to remember. So that's not necessarily the biggest deal, but having so many little aspects of it and seeing, you know, beautiful people like Daniel Craig and, you know, Janelle Monet wearing masks. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that, especially with the release of this movie. Like this had come out even a year ago. I think it would have felt a little more okay. It's ever present, but now it's it just feels like so dated. And the movie just came out, playing, and it had already feel felt he's, dated. To see he's all playing of Among Us. He's he's um, like all these little. It, it was so like of a moment, like and it, there's so many celebrity cameos of people who want to be part of the Knives Out sequel. Thank you. You have the Zoolander too. Like Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma's cousin, little nepotiz. Like you have the Zoolander 2 syndrome of like, now everyone everyone wants to be in on the joke and now the joke's not funny anymore. Um, uh, and I, 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 I'm sure she's a very good actress, but you got Stephen Sondheim, Angela Lansbury, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and fourth person who... I again, I'm over 30. I had to have that person explain to me. Natasha Leone is her name. So I knew who she was immediately. Oh, okay. I, I guess I feel I feel younger than you, but I certainly said one of these things is not now, like the I, other. I don't now later on. I asked the ahead. room. I asked my sister-in-law, who is hip and down with the kids. I said, Am I just an old person? She is not of the same caliber as those other three. And Rachel said, "Oh God, no!" <laughs> yeah, Rachel, who has been well, on the, the, been on the thing podcast, that was... she we, she discussed Venom. Um, so yes. listeners will remember her, but she was like, "Yeah, yeah, no, she is not of the same caliber as 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 those other three uh, people are." No, I will say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar being there was also weird. They should have just gone with the with like a murder writer theme for that. I think that would have or been... just do. That would have been the joke. Or just do Sondheim and Lansbury, because she's a famous yes, writer. Yeah, that would have been enough. And he's, you know, gay. 
<laughs> I don't know. He's Steven. He's Steven Sondheim. Like yeah. they're both legends. They're both icons. And I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yeah. is also a legend. So I mean, I, it, I just, but like, but it's like what? What? There's no theme here. And well, Natasha Leone, did you even know she's on a show that Ryan well, Johnson it, created right yes, now? Then it, it's yeah. it's synergy. Yes. Poker now, face. Now it made sense. Then it made yeah, sense. but it's still. I suppose. So I, I assume at the time, or they just added her in post. I don't even remember if she fucking said anything during that game. It was more of the other people who were talking. So she's just kind of there. So she doesn't fit really. Like you said, the rest are just older legends, at least while they might not have the same like narrative around them. They're older legends. And then it's Natasha Leone, who's a very good actress, but, and actually she's not where like, she's perfectly our age because she was in, the American Pie movies, yeah. and then she was in Orange is the New Black, yeah. so she's actually been in basically everything that we've watched progressively, but it was still jarring to see her. The Yo-Yo Ma one stood out. Um, Ethan Hawke. Like, see... I'm forgetting. Put, I I should have started writing a Ethan list. Ethan Hawke, in a role like that, in a murder mystery, I'm now thinking, huh, when will Ethan Hawke come back? Or what mm-hmm, role mm-hmm. does that Ethan Hawke cameo play? Oh, nothing. That was just Ethan Hawke wanted to do it. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Like again, they should not have shown Benoit Blanc's uh, partner, husband. He should have. Ryan Johnson claims to be a Columbo fan. Now he should remember that showing Mrs. Columbo was a disaster. That the show Mrs. Columbo, everyone hated it. I did and not his know memory this. hold it because everyone knows that never seen Columbo's wife is what made the whole thing work that you don't, he's just, she's just referred to. Um, so I was thinking like, Ooh, I don't want to, they better not show whoever he, first of all, it better be a he and they better not show whoever he is. And then it's Hugh Grant. And now it's just like, Oh, no, it's just, that's just distracting. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, was that alluded to in the first movie? I couldn't remember. That oh, that he's that he's gay, or even has a partner. Anything? Well, I have no like, idea. Like, was that? Was, I just. All right, was did somebody talk off screen or anything? I think like it's just that? something people sort of no. manifested. Again, I think mm-hmm. the internet said it'd be great if he was gay, and Ryan Johnson read that and said, "Okay, I'll make him gay," which again is fine. I mean, there that's that's fine. I think it's like. Have you seen his wardrobe? That's the thing. Like he certainly. The thing about Benoit Blanc is I didn't watch that movie and think, now there's a, there's a completely straight man. Like <laughs> he has to at least be bi- bisexual. Like it, there's no way that's just like a classic rugged. Uh, I'm a straight guy and I don't care about like, no, 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 that guy's got, he's much more advanced. Um, so, yes. but yeah, but then it's Hugh Grant, like yeah. distracting, very distracting. You know, what would have been funny. Here's a cameo I would have actually if it was Pierce Brosnan. That would have been great. See, now you have two James Bonds that in the same would room have together. Been delightful. I could have James that Bond been loves himself. Scene. Like, I, like, oh, that would have been great. I could just picture Pierce Brosnan in an apron. Oh man, I'm getting all hot and bothered now. <laughs> So now I need to request that that be changed, that they digitally remove Hugh yes. Grant and put in Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> and then I need to file a report on Damon Lindelof's success rate post-deleting <laughs> Twitter. And then compare and contrast that to Ryan Johnson since The Last Jedi. Yeah. And there's some intersection there. But, 
Yeah. And so I, I agree with everything. I think this one, this one at least was a little bit more, if I could give it one benefit, I don't know if the who done it was at least a little bit more there. But like you said, there weren't really characters to latch on to. Just... Like you did, like Janelle Monet. The problem with her is, oh my god, you mentioned Columbo. I feel like they pulled a trick that Columbo would pull off by having oh they're twins. That was pretty. That's that's like a seventies sitcom type thing. That that that's what we came up with. It's like oh my god, we're we're already doing. Oh well, they're twins in in movie number two and of this whole Who Done It. When the movie ended, and then I saw that there was an hour left, that's when I thought, "Oh, okay, this is just a trick movie. This is a trick movie." Now, it was a pretty decent trick. I have to say, like he's he's a pretty decent movie trickster. But it that's when mm-hmm. there's that moment where not to get, I don't want to give, you know, the movie, it is a movie that has spoilers and twists and turns, but there's a moment in the movie halfway through where the movie, basically you're like, well, it's over now. Right. Like where else can it go from here? And it turns out, Oh no, it's one of these movies where everything that's been happening hasn't really been happening. And I hate plots. I hate plots like that. Uh, spoilers for oceans 12. That's the plot of oceans 12 annoys the crap out of me. I hate that. That's the twist in it. Um, it's lazy, 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 lazy. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's just, I would have, I would have preferred something a bit more traditional. I don't mind that the, the villain, you know, is an Elon Musk guy. Like, that's funny. Like people were saying, you know, how do you call that? It's like, how did he guess that Elon Musk is an idiot? He's on Twitter all the time. That's the one benefit he got from Twitter. Is that because he's on Twitter all the time, he picked up on the fact that Elon Musk is an idiot. Um, but other than that, everything else is just too, too, uh, too prepackaged and memefied. You know, I saw that meme that it's mm-hmm. just dumb. I saw that meme 65 times before I even saw the movie. It was already like everywhere. And it's just, there was all these little pieces already dissected and distributed across Instagram and, and Twitter and everywhere. And it's just, uh, movies come already ready to be sent out. We've talked about the detractors of Ryan Johnson on Twitter, but what's so it's just still so mind boggling to me about that goddamn star Wars movie. It's, it's a love and hate. So for as many people who hate that movie or or whatever, or don't like, I don't know. And then there's an equal number of people who I think go above and beyond in its praise. So there's this like built in fan base groupies for Ryan Johnson that like you're saying that you don't even need to see glass onions, the best movie ever. And we're going to clip everything into a meme because we just adore everything he stands for because of what he did for Star Wars and blah 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 blah. They're just as annoying, I think, well, as the as the opposite. They stuff. have to like it because Ben Shapiro hated it. So if I also dislike Glass Onion, that means I agree with Ben Shapiro. And no, Ben Shapiro right. disliked it for stupid reasons. You can dislike it for smart reasons. Like it doesn't like that's something that got created during the last Jedi discourse is people dislike the movie. And yes, this guy dislikes the last Jedi for idiotic reasons. There is an Asian 
too many women, you know, whatever. This guy dislikes it for too long, way too long, way too meta. Just give me a simple Star Wars movie. Those are two completely different reasons to dislike a movie. One of them is a normal reason. One of them is a crazy person's reason. Now, I think people have now combined everything into what what your opinion of a movie is is a sign of your like virtue as a person like i like the last jedi i i like that movie that's my favorite of sequel but it's not the best it's not empire strikes back than the last jedi i think that's i think that's nuts i think that's crazy i don't think that but you know there are people that think that and so when a ryan johnson movie comes out it's like you gotta defend him. He's he made the only good Star Wars sequel. We gotta stick up for him. We gotta defend him against all these trolls. And it's like, no, you can just watch the movie and yeah. dislike it or like it. You don't have to. Only on Twitter do you have to behave like that. In normal life, you can just watch the movie. <laughs> Luckily, I was a part of a normal life conversation. I hadn't seen it yet, but like a couple months ago, where people just brought up, "Did you watch Glass yeah. Onion?" Yeah, I didn't like it as much as the first one. Yeah, here's why. Well, mm-hmm. huh. Okay, this is all normal. These are normal things to be yep. saying. <laughs> but you're right. It's something we've talked about ad nauseum both on this podcast and off of it is that movies are now like anything else where you have to choose sides. Mm-hmm. You have to have it's politics. Like you can't you can't support a candidate and not like some aspects of their platform. You have to support all of them and you have to hate everything that the opponent stands for. There is no middle ground. And now fucking movies are turning into that because it's just something else to debate over and that people, I guess, feel like they have more control over. But sadly, voices online are affecting how things happen. Movies like like you've been saying for years. Movies are supposed to be good. They don't have to be good for you. They're not breakfast cereal (laughs) that's they're not vitamins like they're just supposed to be good and and you know in my opinion knives out good movie glass onion Eh, it's trying to be like topical it's trying to be like of the moment and that makes it not as good it it lessens it as a film i hope he makes another one and i hope it's not like this one i hope it's more like the first one what would your hope be? Let's see if we have the same hope for uh, what could be changed about well, a third one, whether it's as, 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 as fat uh, white guys like myself have said since time immemorial, delete your account, Ryan Johnson. And um, mm-hmm. the third one needs to be set on a boat. Uh, this one should have been on a boat. Mm-hmm. The third one needs to be on a boat. The whole thing needs to be on a boat, like death on an aisle. Whole thing. It has a murder mystery on a boat. Um, and they have to no phones, like no one has access to any phones. Um, no internet, no, I don't know. Just like nothing connected to just, just, just make it a simple, don't make it topical. Don't make it contemporary, just a murder mystery on a boat. Um, maybe it's him returning from, Maybe it's the boat he's he's taking home from back to wherever he lives. Does he live in New York? Is that where he lives? I think it was New York. I think the boat so. he's taking home from Edward Norton's Island back to New York. 
And while he's on the boat, a murder happens. It's like a stripped down bottle episode of a TV show, but it's two hours. Well, it's Ryan Johnson. So it's two, two and a half hours. Well, <laughs> yep. Another thing I was going to mention was this, the length that you did is that there was an out. It's like, Oh good. This is already wrapping up. There's an yeah. hour left. And yeah. I don't know why these capers need to be two twenty or whatever this was. Um, yeah, I think he needs a screenwriter. Yeah. I think he needs another voice. Like he he I really like his visual style. Mm-hmm. I think every movie that I've seen that he's made and he directed a couple key breaking bad episodes as well is I think he he has a really good eye. I think he's a very good director. He gets good actors who give good performances. Everything always pops, locations costumes, all of that. So he should continue to be a, and and he's not a, like a terrible screenwriter, but I think he needs another voice to help focus. I mean, unless you're Quentin Tarantino, I would recommend this for most filmmakers is to have that other voice to kind of rein you in. Um, So that's what I would like to see in future movies. He, and like you said, he does seem to be good with like the fake out things and setting up how we saw things one way, but it was actually another thing. Like one of the better parts was when I think it's when Janelle Monet gets shot Yes, and you see it, you know, and then how that all played out when you looked at it from a different perspective was like really well executed. So he's, he is good at stuff like that. So he, this genre is not bad for him. But I, I think you are, boy, I think you are naive if you think there's going to ever be a stripped down. I think now it's this series is associated being some sort of message movie combined with a whodunit. So that's just what they're going to. I think if this one didn't do that, then you could look at Knives Out and say, and, and it's funny, you said something that I was thinking about saying, but the opposite is, you said, I, you know, if you go back and watch Knives Out now, maybe you'll notice more of the politics. Whereas I was going to say, I wonder if I go back and watch it now and I notice less of them, mm. which I think both might be true. I think I went in, like I said, it was just annoying me more the first time than you'll it was notice you. Less, but notice we, more. Yes, I think that's quite possible. But like you, because after watching this one, I'm thinking you're more attuned to that. Whereas I'm going to say, oh, that's like way more over the top in this one. I bet Knives Out is much simpler and this is mm. much more stripped down. Mm. I think that's quite possible. Um, but yeah, I would love to see him get another screenwriter and try to focus more on the whodunit of it all. You know, and you can have your messages whatever and like you said i mean this it was just so on the nose that's the thing it, it was on the no nose. illusions no illusion to who the people were portraying like you said uh dave batista is clearly joe rogan and edward norton is clearly elon musk and it, it just kind of takes it away when it's so on the nose but it's also like the jokes weren't landing for me. That was the my other thing with Knives Out is the humor is often like like a like a child would write it. Like it's or like SNL. Like so obvious yeah. it would be like an SNL See, joke. The stuff that I find funny in his movies is this, is often the stuff that I don't think he thought was going to be like to me, one of the funniest things in Knives Out is when Michael Shannon just shouts, Nana! Like that's one of the funniest things in the movie. Now, some of the jokes he wrote aren't as funny, 
but it's the performances he gets out of his actors. And like the Dave Batista character was clearly supposed to be hilarious. And I didn't find him that funny, but Dave Batista delivered a lot of lines in a very funny way. Like when he just sort of mutters, like, you know, sorry, feminists like that made me chuckle. Cause it's just Dave Batista's. I just like him as a, as a performer. Um, so it's like his movies are like succeeding. They're like, <laughs> the scripts are both an asset in the, tr- in the way, like he likes to structure his movies like that's an important part of how he makes his movies, but they're also like becoming like the biggest obstacle <laughs> to the movies. Like really like, like think about how I would argue that the strongest parts part of the last Jedi is the last half hour. Now the last half hour comes after two hours <laughs> and that's a lot to ask of an audience, especially because that's, that's a much longer star war than people are used to. Now the last half hour is a fairly dialogue free. There's, there's not a lot of Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson talkiness in that stretch. So I would like him to rely more on his visual gifts than his clever college screenwriting class. Yes. Techniques because he was probably one of the best screenwriters in his college film classes, but he is now a f- like a 55 year old man. And it's time <laughs> to like get someone else to help him write like a two hour movie. That's mm-hmm. just about should be Damon Lindelof. Yeah, get Damon Lindelof <laughs> to just have him be like, Hey man, Twitter's annoying. Get rid of it. <laughs> I've never been happier. Yeah. Or BJ. So was, get rid of your soul. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, nice. Because those two sons. So, yes, this was an on the note. We didn't even really talk about the most obvious. Well, it, it built into all of these characters and who they're clearly supposed to be is the, the big theme here is wealth is bad, rich people are bad, disruptors aren't really good for the world they're just selfish assholes was sort of the underlying theme uh that was also sort of what was going on with another movie that i adored liked much much more and that was the menu so funny enough i saw a trailer for the menu i saw i can still see the poster right now got critical you know it was critically acclaimed it came out at some point in the fall and shortly after it came out on HBO Max, I brought it up to Mary. And sometimes she'll say, oh, let me just let me watch the trailer to see if that's something I'd be interested in. So we watch the trailer. And she looks at me and says, so they're just going to end up beating people, right? <laughs> to which I replied, I think that's what they're going for. So at whatever, I think we just watched like a teaser or a TV spot. And I definitely thought it was turning into like most dangerous game type stuff cannibalism which is funny because i think that's what maybe that's what they were trying to do to try to think you i i don't i don't know but anyway you you see the movie and it is not that at all uh it does get pretty out there but it's not it's about class and 
wealth and rich assholes and art and passion. And even though it wasn't exactly subtle what the commentary and themes and what this movie was trying to convey, uh, even though that was not subtle at all, I liked this much more than Knives Out, or excuse me, than from Glass Onion. And that's because it's just handled so much better for one. And two, it's it's just a more interesting story. Well, it was... I, I think it was something a little fresher. No pun intended. <laughs> it was a satire. It wasn't a murder mystery. Yeah. With some heavy-handed, like, commentary. It was, like, it was just a clear-cut, heavy-handed satire about rich people and how wealth and money ruins everything <laughs> and everyone <laughs> that it comes into contact with. And, and in the, the strongest aspect of it is that the, the main, not the main character, but the main force of the movie who is driving the plot um, is both uh Big, big air quotes here. Correct and crazy. <laughs> like, he's lost it completely. But the, his point is, you have ruined me. You have ruined yourself. We have all collectively taken everything fun out of... Like, we, we have no joy in our lives anymore. So, we all deserve to die. <laughs> Very Sweeney Todd. I don't know if you've ever seen that musical Sweeney Todd. Mm. Very well. I've seen the the Tim yeah. Burton movie. I haven't seen the actual very like stage very nihilistic that. of like we are just none of us deserve to get out of this like clean. We're all awful except for this one person who would be considered the most unclean person in this whole group. She's the purest, and you know, again, not subtle. Like not like a. Not like a exceptionally deep movie, but just just very well done. A very well done sort of satirical, not even satirical. I don't even know if that's the right word. Just a, a very well, good allegorical, dark comedy about rich people metaphorically eating each other. It reminded me a lot of Network. Yes, I had the same like yes. it had the same tone. Yes. Whereas Network is obviously satire and that one was playing more as a comedy (laughs) yeah well yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say excuse me it was satire until it became prophetic uh or it was alarming i should say (laughs) considering what we're talking about right now this is a (laughs) (laughs) so if this one's prophetic then uh some people might be in trouble but what was great about it was even though it got so out there and extreme was the the what the detail I loved about this the most was if if this movie had been I I don't know how much to talk about this without spoilers. Um, Let's just say. Well, I guess we've already said. Well, it's spoilers. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about these movies because they're both about people going to an island and shenanigans ensuing. Um, we've we kind of were dismissive with spoilers about Glass Onion, but for the menu. If you don't want to find out what happens in the menu, don't listen to this part anymore. <laughs> but watch, which is probably about watch the, the movie, yeah, because it's because it's very good. 
whereas Glass Onion was very was good. just kind of okay. The if I gave this one was visually well done, but not as flashy or interesting, I would say, as Glass Onion, which is, I mean, I think also the point. But uh, this this had a much better script for sure. And then it was really built off of excellent performances. And do you remember where Anya Taylor-Joy, do you remember where her character is from? Before I forget to ask you? No. I saw this once She's, her characters, months ago. Her character's from Brockton, Massachusetts. Oh, that's right. I said, where are you from? She said, Brockton. I said, Brockton. Yes, uh, but Brockton. Yeah, so I wonder who's from, I wonder if one of the screenwriters, that is a specific... To make a movie, the joke, there's a great Seth Meyers. I'm all over the place right now, but there's a great Seth Meyers. I, I hate late night television now, but like 10 years ago, Seth Meyers had a really good joke of like Boston the movie. Yeah. And it was a fake trailer and it made the joke about how every single Boston based movie, they say towns, cities around Boston as if you're all supposed to know what they are, but we do because we're from the area. So we get it. But it was funny to hear Brockton Mass when there was no other Massachusetts reference. So uh, anyway, that was that was fun for me that she was from Brockton and she was a prostitute. I don't know what that says, but <laughs> it says a lot about Brockton. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, spoilers. So what was great about this movie that I think like was a perfect decision in the screenplay is that this wasn't just any... I imagine this if this was any weekend at this little resort where it's like any semblance of guests show up. So the premise is there is this legendary chef played by Ray Fiennes uh, who operates on this remote island that's this exclusive, you know, it, it's like a destination island that's purely to go to this restaurant, this world-class famous restaurant. And it costs an arm and a leg to go there. It's this... <laughs> Also, not a pun intended. You're paying for the fact that you're doing that. You're exactly. It's not like you're going on a resort and then there's also happens to be good restaurants. No, you're going, you're riding a ferry, you're flying into wherever, you're taking a boat to get to this island purely to dine. And early on, they established that everybody's there has been specifically invited. I think that to me was what worked perfectly because then you slowly realize these are all the worst people. And you said money is the root of all evil. They wisely have people who are wealthy from so many different infrastructure and, and, you know, uh, uh, employment areas. So you have just kind of like a wealthy business guy who's a little older with his wife. And then you have, washed up actor <laughs> his reason for being there is fucking hysteria that's where it almost felt a little more like satire yeah. like you said than it was um you know what the message that i was trying to get across you have finance bros who funny enough work for the guy who helped fund this whole island venture which was great mm -hmm. so they're acting with this do you know who we are and do you know who the main investor of the island is and it's like yes we do and that is why you're here so as the movie goes on, you slowly realize that this guy, Ray Fiennes, has been broken, like you said. And basically, it also reminded me of Seven a lot, where I, it's like, here's this ingenious 
suicide cult pack type thing that is a lot of it is vengeance purely. He just wants to fucking kill these people and to end his own life because he's just completely lost it. But there must be some hope that this will resonate as well. Yes. Because we do live in a very quickly moving new, very fast moving news cycle. But if something like this happened, this would have some staying power. No, no way. <laughs> this would be, this would, a couple days tops and then it'd be gone like everything. I, I'm giving it a couple, couple weeks, weeks, Danny. Okay. I'm giving it a couple weeks. All right. I suppose. I mean, yeah, I guess he's a big famous celebrity. Yeah, if, if, uh, if Gordon Ramsay did this. If Gordon Ramsay yeah, did this. If Gordon Ramsay did this, that would, be, that would be wild. Yeah, this is like the most violent, narcissistic cry for help of all time. Like, he's just so bummed. And he's like, you're all coming with me. And he sort of genuinely feels bad that this poor Brockton lady has gotten all wrapped up in it because she just wasn't supposed to be here. <laughs> like, it's just a mistake. And the way... The way she gets out of it is one of the most delightful things I've ever seen in a movie. And that I almost don't want to give away, but it's just like, it's just so perfect because you, you, you get to the heart of this beast that is doing these awful things to awful people, but they are awful. Like that's the thing. What I liked about this movie is it's not excusing what Ray Fiennes is doing. Slovak, Slovak, yeah. however you, Ju- Julian is doing. It's just like, it's just that wonderful thing that, what's the Roger Ebert quote? Movies are a machine for uh, generating empathy. You have, you have empathy yeah. for Julian because he used to be this, he just wanted to make food for people. And now he's been turned into this awful, this awful automaton who just prepares like culinary experiences for privileged assholes who don't appreciate or remember what they eat. They just simply want to be able to say that they did it. Like they don't actually value anything. Nothing they do has any meaning. Um, So you understand why he feels comfortable in murdering them all (laughs) because he's decided that your lives don't have any meaning so I'm going to end them. <laughs> it's great. It's like a genuinely dark, twisted film. In the end that you're referencing, again, we want a little schmaltzy, a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I teared, but I think it, I think it towed the line perfectly, yes. which I think this whole movie, to, I, I am shocked that this did not get any Oscar attention, especially for the screenplay, because this seems so creative. Fucking Knives Out got, I keep calling it Knives Out. It's a Knives Out mystery. That got a, an adapted screenplay nomination, which I don't understand. Also, you're just a sequel yeah. and you're in the adapted category. But this was a very clever script that was not only funny and dark, but also had a lot to say. And that has stayed with me a lot since I've seen it, like more so. I think I watched this on the same. I think I watched these two movies on the same. Oh day. damn! Definitely the same weekend. Definitely the same weekend. And Glass Onion. The like I said, most of what's popping out is the the look of it. And with this, I'm thinking just more about all the little details and all the moments. Yeah, one of the most heartbreaking moments is 
asking someone who I think had been seven or eight times, name one item that you've had here, name one that you've prepared. And you can believe this. You can believe all of this stuff. Like I, I, I'm someone, you know, I am certainly not poor by any means, but I'm also not these people. And I can remember six, seven years ago, just going on a vacation, going to a slightly nicer restaurant and like the exact meal I had. Like, so I can, I can see how a chef that would be like the most, it's like, there isn't, you, you have no purpose. You are just absolutely defeated. And what a perfect Ray finds is, um, he's a pretty good actor. Good at acting. (laughs) After I, (laughs) He's good at acting. After I watched this, I watched, you know, I watched something. Uh, I watched The King's Man, finally. I don't know if you We're watched gonna it. We're going to have to you do know a what? whole episode on the King's, yeah. the King's uh, series. The King's movie. Oh, the King's series. I, I kind of liked it. It's the best one. I didn't think it was as... The King... You thought it was the, the best King's one. Man's the best one. Is, oh, that's, interesting. That's what okay. I think. Yeah, I, I think I like... I think I liked the first one, the but I liked this one more than I expected because it had a lot of bad reviews. But what I what I bring this up to say it's a it's kind of a stupid whatever movie, kind of. fairly big blockbuster movie. But Ray Fiennes just grounds it and just like he he can be in something like that and make it excellent, and then he can be in something like this that doesn't really need him, but he gives it that extra oomph. And he, I don't know if I've ever really thought about it, but I he has got to be on like a top 10 list of performers for me. If I really sat and thought about it, cause he's just, he's in so much too. and so much quality. What more is there to say? He's great in this. No, I mean the menu, it didn't get it nominated for any Oscars because they like when movies are about them, but not when they're like about them, like in that way. <laughs> like, <laughs> So that's something I wanted to bring up also is something that can get a little tired. I don't want to get all Fox news on you now, Danny, <laughs> but something that can get a little tired is all when there are so many projects now that have these themes yep. that are being made by very wealthy people in studios that it's, <laughs> it's, it's getting a little, it's getting a little yes. frustrating, but this one didn't, this one did not feel that way. It felt grounded and it didn't necessarily mean wealth always equals bad i you know well i guess you could say it does though the fact that they went into so many different areas but i think it just meant that's that's what i meant earlier when i said i like that they that the chef picked these particular people because they were the worst people they were so emblematic of everything that was wrong with whatever facet of society they belonged to it's wealth not money it's wealth it's like people get a little walking around money. They have a nice meal. They remember it. You got wealth. You have, you have thousands of nice meals. None of them mean anything to you. It's just about the fact that you can do it. Um, yeah, no, uh, yeah. Uh, it is. It is annoying that they keep making these, these, uh, th- these movies are made about all these rich sickos and they're made by rich sickos, but you know, that's, that's, that's who makes that's who makes movies. Um, that's who makes big movies. Um, so that's why, like, that's why it's good when, when, when the you sort of, if you want to kind of sympathize with or empathize with 
it helps if it's John Leguizamo because he's like the hardest working. Yeah. Like, who doesn't like him? <laughs> oh, he's so he's good. He's, he's been in so much lately too. Good. It's awesome. I love, I love how much of a resurgence he's had. Not that he ever, I guess he never really went away. I think people just, but he's had a couple of really good bit parts in the last yeah, 10 years. I think people are just like, don't make fun. I think people are just like, Hey, don't make fun of him. He's been working really hard his whole career. And he's he's an important part of he's like a Tim Curry figure, like everyone knows him from something, and it, it's a lot of different things. Um, Nick Holt is great in this. Um, he's a really yeah. good actor. Um, what's her name? I'm forgetting her name. From Ozark. Oh yeah. Or no. Uh, I can't remember her name, but she, oh, Janet McTeer is excellent. Were you going to say Hong Chow? No, I was going to, she was, she, she was good. She was very good too, but I was going to say Janet McTeer. She's really good. I like yeah. her a lot. Um, She's an Oscar winner. Is she? Zach Rentschler alerted me to that. Uh, at some point we were talking Ozark and I had never, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, or sorry, I apologize. She's not an Oscar winner, but she is a two time nominee. For Tumbleweeds in 1999, and then Albert Knobs in 2011. That was the Glenn Close movie, right? I don't, I don't know. What, I don't right, know but what anyway, two-time two-time Oscar nominee. Yeah, Albert Knobs is a Glenn Close oh. film where she was also nominated for. I think that's one of the many. She's never won. She's o for like a hundred. I think Glenn Close. Didn't she win for that awful college essay movie, Hillbilly Elegy? No, she did oh. not. No, she did not. She also didn't win for the wife when everybody, she was like the astronomical favorite going in, and then she lost to Renee Zellweger playing Judy Garland. That, see, the Oscars can be, that, the Oscars are hilarious. Um, but yeah, the menu, they make no, they make the, no the menu didn't get nominated because it was, it was too, probably hit too close to home for a lot of voters who were like, oh, my life has no meaning. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've I've lost all joy in my art and craft. I no longer um, feel anything <laughs> when I do the thing that I purportedly love. Nope, this is a little too yeah. close to home for me. <laughs> yeah, Glass Onion got a little attention, and Triangle of Sadness also is a movie about the super wealth wealthy being evil and islands and boats. Um, I don't know why that was a theme and we, and then there was also the white Lotus TV show this year. So there was a lot of this going on and the menu for me, I, I liked white Lotus season two a lot as well, but the menu to me was the best. Yeah. It was the one that got like no attention. Um, I will say triangle of sadness, minor spoiler. I'll try to keep it. I'm not going to say specific characters or anything, but one element of that that was extremely clever that reminded me of the menu is the third act. I had no idea. Another movie that I thought was ending. And then there was like another 45 minutes or an hour And the third act is after, I won't say how, but the boat has some issues and characters end up on an Island. So talk about subtlety. But when all of these characters are on the island, it is not the super wealthy who are no longer in control, but it's like the help who basically end up. And again, I'm not, I'm saying that term 
specifically because I don't want anyone listening who hasn't seen the movie to know who ends up being right, that person. Right. But let's say someone who was working on the boat, lesser, you know, lower level in society, they end up being like a dictator on the island, which was fucking that's hilarious. Where, so that was a really experienced support yeah. staff. Yes, let's just say that. Um, ends up being like a filthy, selfish dictator. Yes. Like just immediately takes over everything. And there are all these empty promises of like, well, when we get home, like I will give you $40 million. <laughs> it's like, well, if we get home and that's not the case now, and what do you have for me yes. now? And I'm the only one here who can start a fire and who can gut a fish and cook. And so it's, it's awesome. And again, it's like not subtle at all. It's like, yep, we get it. We get what's being said here. Uh, but that it reminded me of her character, Anya Terrell or Joy's character, I mean, reminded me of this character in this case where like they happen to be involved and in, like how they interact with the wealthy and when like circumstances turn, how they end up being, you know, top of the food chain, which is pretty great. It pays to be from Brockton. It pays to be from Brockton. Turning tricks. <laughs> It <laughs> gets you end up not being violently murdered uh, on a on a on a dining island. <laughs> so it was supposed to be a fun vacation. Um, yeah, Nick. I did just want to mention Nick Hole is excellent in this movie. He is another wonderful character added in this script who is genuine about his love for the craft, but is awful in so many other ways <laughs> that uh he still that talk about a meme that one is everywhere of him getting told getting talked to by chef and the tears that's but see great, that's like a nice that see sometimes that's like that has organically become something because it's yeah it's funny if you see it but it's funnier if you've seen the movie like it's a, it's like if you if you know if you've seen the movie it's like that oh that scene's like it's even funnier to use that to use that to describe you know whatever it's it's used to describe yeah yeah the menu, the menu yeah. probably oh, didn't sure. hit because it was a little it was a little too real but the people liked it the mm -hmm. people the people i don't know why i'm turning into trump the people loved it folks the, people <laughs> loved it the people liked it it came on hbo max and everyone was talking about it because they were like good movie this this is a good movie now People liked it when it was Parasite and when there was no one they recognized and when it wasn't about America. But when it was the menu, they were like, oh, no, 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 thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. This is about us. Never mind. Never mind. No Oscars for you. No Oscars. Yes. I, uh, Parasite, that piece of shit movie. What was the quote? Um, I, I like, I like American movies like Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Do you remember that Trump? That was uh quite, quite the moment. Uh, yeah, he got so mad that Parasite won Best Picture. It was, it was hilarious. But yeah, this, this did remind me a lot of Parasite as well. Great, great film. Also, I love yes. both of them. I don't care who it is. I don't care if you, if you convey a message, and it's well done. And it considers all everything that they are bringing to the table. I, I'm in. I don't care who we're criticizing, who we're talking about. And yeah, this this one resonated with me much more than the other two. If I had to rank my 
rich people are bad projects in 2022, I would go the menu would be number one. Then I'd probably say White Lotus season two, even though it's not a movie. So it's kind of cheating. Triangle sadness. And then like a distant fourth would be glass. The menu's clearly number one, a little bit of a drop off two and three are close. And then well, well below that would be glass. I've only done White Lotus season one, which was delightful. Um, haven't seen Triangle of Sadness, uh, but would definitely also put the menu number one on our. Good. So yeah, we definitely yes, recommend absolutely. that. Absolutely. Go watch it. So I think maybe the only movie that we've talked about in these two reviews that we would not recommend, or at least a very tepid recommendation is glass on you. Just a tepid recommendation. Like if you saw knives out, you got to see this one. Cause you saw the first one, but you won't like it as much. If you do, you're, you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> I heard nobody. If say you like glass onion, if you like, like glass onion uh, more than knives out, you're a weirdo. Um, you're a Nazi. You're you're the Nazi, yeah, Nazi boy. child. Um, but Nazi child. That's Nazi, Nazi child. child. Uh, but yeah, no. The menu. Strong recommendation. Strong recommendation. Agreed. That might be my favorite movie that we talked about here. That was probably my third favorite movie of the year. So I think I'd go Top Gun Maverick, The Fablemans, The Menu. Top Gun Maverick was. Oh, the Batman. Remember the Batman? I do remember the Batman. Shoot. That was... All right, so those are my four favorite movies in some order. In some order, since this is our movie catch-up, in some order, mine would probably be the Batman, the Northman. <laughs> oh, I the, know. I keep the, the Menu, and the Banshees of Sharon. And if we could do five, I'd probably add everything everywhere all at once. I like I like that. Let's do five. Let's make it a nice round. Everything five. everywhere all at once. I like Top that five. film. And I did really like Top Gun Maverick. That was also a good picture. All right, I'm going to add for my fifth. I'm between All Quiet on the Western Front and The Northman. Even though I forgot about that movie, that you had to remind me the last. I was like, oh my goodness, I completely. Fr-. That also just I just forgot that that was this year oh, yeah. even though it was a- april but this has been like the long 2022 is like the longest and shortest year so um yeah i'd have to i i did like everything everywhere all at once a lot as well i'd probably say all quiet on the western front though is my fifth favorite yeah but those four really stood out where like any of those four could have been my favorite of the year yeah. The Batman and the Northman, um, I've I've like watched those multiple times since seeing. Like I've watched those a lot. Um, I, yeah, those are good. <laughs> They're very good. The Batman's a perfect. You can just watch like a little bit of it too. It's on HBO a yes. lot. So I'll just watch like a five ten minute. I've watched it once again at home since we saw it in theaters. Um, but yeah, that's a great. Like you can just watch little snippets of it, especially the. Not the open. I keep calling it the opening scene, but it's really the second scene. But the first. But you Batman can watch it in chunks. In you can watch it in acts. It's 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 good. It's good. So. Yes, I would also just briefly like to mention we've the theme of this episode was rich people are bad. The other trend is uh, kitchen chef related projects. Yes, because we had pig. 
pig last year, which was awesome. Well, it was kind of similar in terms of like all the fine yep. dining stuff. And then the the bear on FX, which I've been watching. I don't know. What Abby the, watched that show and said yeah. it was really good. Very good so far. I, I like it quite a bit. And I want to say there was one other, or there will be one other somewhat big food related, but yeah, cooking chefs. That's becoming, it's a new vessel for good storytelling. Yeah. Well, it's a high stress thing. And so I think they, they recognize the, like the drama of being back there and how, mm-hmm. how crazy it is that that level of, of chefdom is how wild and, and like hierarchical it is. There you have it. I'm gonna go make myself a snack now. <laughs> All right. So I think the next <laughs> that was such a lame joke. Okay. Uh, so for ca- while we're on the catching up subject, Danny and I might be doing some superhero catching up because we often review what a, what a d- whatever those what a, were. What a way to end. <laughs> I know. Bummer. Come down. Bummer. <laughs> Well, maybe, I don't know, because it could be hilarious. Oh, yeah. It could I'm be a funny. I, I've not had the pleasure of watching Black Adam yet, but I need to watch it to understand all of this continued drama that's going on. So we might do a Black Adam and Shazam yes. conversation, and then a, what's the Marvel film? Oh, the Black Panther and Ant-Man conversation. That's how memorable these, yes. these We're gonna movies are. We're going to do a DC and a Marvel. We're going to do a DC episode and a Marvel episode and talk about... Um, how good they all were. (laughs) Oh boy. All right. Well, thank you for listening as we continue to wrap up 2022 and we will be back soon with the DC and Marvel conversations. I want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life.